0: Before we get into today's episode, March Madness is here, and the Men on Campus, an ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, Lafonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg will keep you up to date on what you need to know. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Men on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, offers exclusive content Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there'll be a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Chenea Gumake, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, Woj, Ramona Shelbourne, and many more of our NBA reporters from around the league. So get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap. Also available as a podcast. So listen to NBA Today, wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Ryan Clark. And I'm back. I'm back up in this piece like I never left. I'm back up in this like I never left, RC. You know so i miss you, my friend. You've been doing good work these last couple weeks. I've been watching, I mean, from, from the NFL Combine to free agency to DC and RC. My boy is absolutely killing the game. Keep working hard, my friend.
1: You've been killing it, bro. Man, just look, listen, bro. Welcome back. I am more than <laughs> excited to have you. This show is not the same without you, bro. And saw, I'm hey. just glad we had a couple of guests that I could bounce hey. questions off. And I was like, man, I can't wait for DC to get back. Hey, listen, though. Hey, I saw you out there with Chuck Liddell. Bro, you were so happy. Dog,
0: how was you so happy <laughs> with Chuck Liddell, dog? It was, like, it was kind of ridiculous. I was like, yo, this boy's <laughs> happy with Chuck Liddell. My goodness. But Ryan, listen, we got a bro, show to get to, so coming up. I'm sorry. Go ahead go, yeah. ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, you,
1: no you're good. No, nah, you good. Right. I was just going to say, bro, you know, they stuck me on here with you. I had a real champ on, man, so I had to be a fan. Yeah, that's my boy. My boy was just geeking out with Chuck Liddell. But
0: listen, coming up, we're going to talk to Gable Steveson as he heads into the NCAA tournament this weekend. Also, my man Tom Aspinall joins the show. He main event UFC London this weekend against Alexander Volkov. And we got to tap in and tap out every single week, Ryan Clark. We have to. It's your segment. It's the segment that you created. We got to tap in <laughs> and tap out.
1: Listen, we're going to get to all that, D.C., but before we look ahead, we have to look back to this weekend. In the main event, um, Ankolaev against Tiago Santos, it was a good fight. I think that Magomed Ankoliyev fought the way he needed to to win. But when you look back on it, D.C., what are your impressions of that fight? A
0: good win, right? Ankolaev has a massive win streak. But when you get a Tiago Santos, R.C., you got to do more. When you get a guy like this, when you get an opportunity to step up, man, you got to shine. And it just did not feel, I didn't leave with the impression that he shined in the way that I thought he would. Now, did he win? Did he win going away? Absolutely. Did you have any doubt who's going to win the fight? Absolutely not. But what I did not feel like, oh man, this is the dude that is going to fight for the championship right now. And when you're a young guy like Anka and you have the longest win streak in light heavyweight right now, you got to make a statement. He had an opportunity on Saturday night to make a statement, and he won dominantly. He won the fight going away, but he didn't He didn't kind of hammer home the point like I was hoping because I'm excited about the kid. I'm excited about his prospects. I'm excited about his background and what he brings to the octagon, but with the way Tiago Santos fought on Saturday, with how fatigued Thiago Santos was, and at the slow pace that he fought at, I felt like if Ankalaev would have put his foot on the gas a little bit, Ryan, he really could have went and got that dude out of there. And when you get a guy like Thiago Santos out of there in the way that I was hoping for, now you become truly viable at the top of the division. I mean, we saw it a couple weeks ago. Uh, what was it? Who, who was the guy? Was it uh, that knocked out um, Johnny Walker? To the my, guy uh, that knocked uh, out Johnny J-
1: Walker. Uh, Jamal. Um, what's Jamal's Jamal last name? Jamal
0: Hill, right? Jamal, so Jamal Hill. Hill yep. He's a guy. You're like, oh man. Now I'm excited to see what Jamal Hill has uh coming up because of what he did when he had his opportunity. I felt like Ekalide missed it a little bit, but he got ultimately he got yeah. the job done.
1: Well, the other thing is too, though. We've seen Tiago Santos's power make his opponents fight in certain ways, and I think some of the fight being slow or some of the fight not being as exciting as we had hoped is Tiago Santos isn't the same guy he was before fighting John Jones. And even that fight, John Jones fought him cautiously and, you know, he had blown out his knee. And so I think Tiago Santos plays a part in the way that Enkalaev fought as well. But also too, DC, me and you have said on this show and we've talked about people just finding ways to win and finding ways to win against big time opponents. Mm-hmm. Don't you think he did that? In his defeat of Thiago Santos, he did, he did, he did R.C. That's why he gets the credit, right? But,
0: bro, when 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 they're looking for the next guy, especially with an older champion in Glover Teixeira, right? And with the way Yuri Prohachka has looked, right you start to wonder who's going to be young enough to follow behind a guy like Yuri. And there's another guy, Tiago Santos fought him and it was the slowest fight I've ever seen in my life. Tiago has now been involved in a few of these sleepers right now. And I can't, the, the problem is I can't, the kid's good. But I can't even remember his right. name right now, uh, because him and Tiago had the absolute worst fight of all time. And then the guy had the audacity to come at me on Twitter. Like, I mean, if you out there if you out there standing around with Tiago Santos for twenty five minutes, you have no issue. <laughs> you better not be coming for my neck because that's some problems right. you don't want, even at forty three years old. But RC, yeah, this, you don't did want that smoke, though. No, you don't want that smoke, man. Let's go. <laughs> Ankalyev did what he was supposed to do, right? He got the job done against a highly ranked guy and won impressively. So there are no bad marks on him. I know maybe I'm judging him a little bit more harsh because I understand what type of talent Magomed Ankalyev truly is and what his potential is in a division yeah. That is really turning over quickly because you saw right. uh, Jan Bohovich as the champ. Now you got Glover as the champ. And many people think that your Prohaska is going to beat Glover to share to become the champion. So in a division where it's moving, you got to really stake claim to your position in that place, in that division.
1: In- you know, after that fight, he he obviously wants a shot at the championship, but he also called out Anthony Smith. What do you think mm. about him calling Anthony Smith out? And was that a smart decision for him? Is that a fight you'd actually watch or want to see? I would love to watch it, right? RC, I'd love to watch this kid fight because I'm a, I'm a fan.
0: It's Alexander Rakich. That's his name. I saw it on the screen. Alexander Rakich, who's a phenomenal fighter, right? Rakich is. Um, but... I'm watching Magomed Ankalaev, and for him to fight Anthony Smith would be a fun fight because Anthony Smith's going to bring the fight to you, and Anthony Smith seems rejuvenated now. But I believe, honestly, that the call out of Anthony Smith was because of his fight. I think that if he would have went out there and he would have starched Tiago Santos or submitted Tiago Santos – then the emotions get the best of you and you call out the champion. You you call out somebody at the very, very top of the division because you feel like what you had done is enough to warrant that type of fight. Anthony Smith's a spot behind him now in the new rankings. So I think he kind of of calmed his expectation after winning the fight in the way that he did.
1: So another fighter that we got an opportunity to see that was very important was Alex Pereira. And he was fighting Bruno Silva in what I thought was a good stylistic matchup and also I felt was supposed to be a showcase to the world to say this is why Alex Pereira can end up fighting um, Israel Adesanya. Do you believe he went out and did enough this week in a fight against Bruno Silva to continue to build the expectation and kind of the fascination with him that he will be the guy to challenge for the middleweight championship?
0: You know what's crazy is, like, I can judge Ankoli so harsh, but I can then raise up Pereira in the (laughs) the next breath, right? Even though the performance wasn't as dominant. Pereira got taken down. He showed that there's holes. But in those moments, right, in those situations where he had to deal with adversity, he showed that he is becoming a more well-rounded mixed martial artist. Because even if he ain't defending every takedown, he's getting back to his feet or he's surviving Mm -hmm. off of his back. There's, 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 there's wins even in the moments where you struggle, but this kid is impressive. Now we have seen many, many high level strikers come to mixed martial arts, RC and struggle. Even the great Clarissa Shields, right? Clarissa Shields. Phenomenal. I'm a massive fan of Clarissa. I think she is an absolute savage. And if you have not watched her show on ESPN plus her, her history and the fights that she have gone through to be where she is today. Do yourself a favor and go and watch Carissa Shields and her upbringing. But even her, when she got taken down, RC, she struggled. She lost. She's already yep. lost. Pereira's in that same mm-hmm. type of boat because of his kickboxing background, but he survived and he did enough to yeah. get his hand raised. And now the journey continues. So uh, it's it's very <laughs> it's crazy that I can be so hard on Ankalaya, but almost be like uh, Pereira is kind of like my son, you know, and I'm trying to make him feel better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, I think I think everything's about perspective. We're looking at Pereira and where he is in his career compared to Ankalaev, and also how early it is for him in the UFC. And seeing the progression, you know, even in some of those takedown attempts by Silva late on, late on, on in the third round, being able to sprawl, keep the fight on its feet, and actually land and connect with some great strikes. I thought that showed that he could fight through adversity and still finish fights strong. And so I did come away very um, impressed with who he was and also after the fight for him to call out Jarrett Cannonier. Now, Jarrett Cannonier has bigger fish to fry right now. <laughs> he's fighting now, for the belt. But I do, Yeah, but I, I do understand what he's saying. He's like, right now, I can't really call out Izzy, but I'll call out the guy right beneath him, and then maybe I land at Robert Whitaker. Maybe I, na- I na- land at Marvin Vittori. How do you feel about this call out after the fight?
0: I, Ryan, I just told you. Again, we got to go back to Anchor Live, right? Quelling expectations, kind of throwing a little fire, like water yeah. on the fire and going, I'm not going to call out anybody crazy now because of the type of fight I just had. But then Pereira gets right. up and does the exact opposite, or he does the exact opposite right before, where he goes and calls out Jared Cannonier, a guy who's obviously fighting for the championship. Like, what are we doing here, Ryan Clark? Like, what are we doing here? Are we just playing?
1: Are we Bro, just getting... Guess- <laughs> Hey, man, you reach for the moon and you land on the stars. I love it. And the other thing, though, it shows is it shows that this dude – has probably an unrealistic confidence. I think when you have the experiences that he's had and the success that he's had against Israel Adesanya in kickboxing, you feel like you belong. And also the way that he's been talked about in the UFC, the way that he's been propped up in the UFC, already having the high expectations, why not? All they can say is no, DC. DC, (laughs) it's like when you used to walk into the high school dance and you saw the prettiest girl in school, why should you be scared to ask her to dance. All she can say is no. And then you ask her friend. And so he's like, I might not get Jared, but I hey, but I might get Brunson. And so I'm not mad at my guy at all, DC. Dude, I just think, I just, I think, I I mean, of
0: course, I, I do agree with what you're saying, but I mean, fight somebody in the top 15, uh, uh, Pereira. Fight somebody in the top 10. Like, I get it. Shoot for the stars, but man, shooting for the stars is anyone that with a number next to their name at yeah. this point. But again, it's the wins over Izzy in kickboxing that gives him this sense of invincibility because he's watching the guy mm-hmm. that he knocked out run roughshod right. over the division, become a megastar, and uh, make tons and tons of money. So ultimately, he's trying to find the shortest path to trying to get to where he feels like he belongs. So hats off to him today, but come on, man. Let's let's be a little bit more realistic in the way that we're approaching our uh, our journey through the UFC's rankings because if he gets in front of one of these guys that just wrestles him over and over, one that actually can wrestle, he might really struggle. Mm -hmm. And we saw that in moments over the course of of the fight this weekend. But, Ryan, we've gone back now. Now we got to go a little forward. Hey, man, we're going to London. And this guy made his debut in the Apex, and he blew the walls off of the Apex. People fell in love with Paddy Pemblen. The only way Mm -hmm. that it would have been better – is if he debuted in London. If he debuted in England, well, he gets to do that this weekend as he makes his return to the Octagon. How excited are you as a fan to see Paddy Pimlet again Patty the Batty, what a simple nickname! I mean, Patty the Batty, <laughs> Pimlet, a simple nickname, but it works. How excited are you to see Patty Pimlet for the second time in the UFC octagon?
1: Listen, I'm very excited. Like, listen, this this dude was a, a bolt of lightning when he made his UFC debut. It was the the charisma, it was the personality, and then also the power and the skill to match. Once we got him in the octagon, and honestly, man, like, I'm tired of seeing Chubby Patty, the the, the guy <laughs> that's chubby that's at every event in a sweatsuit. suit ready to see my dog be ripped up again. You know, he was almost like Ricky Hatton before he slimmed down to fight Floyd Mayweather. And So Patty Pimlet getting an opportunity to get back in the octagon to show us what he's about to mm-hmm. now add another win under his belt in the UFC. It's huge for him. And I also think it's huge for the sport because he has the personality to be the next huge star. And he gets an opportunity to prove that in London.
0: You you think these guys kind of have a bit of a head start, right? The accent. People are drawn to him because of the accent and the way that they act. They've got a bit of a head start that they're from overseas and people are drawn to him because guess what? When Pimblet hits the curtain on Saturday in London, he will be greeted with a reception like megastars. He will be greeted with a reception like most guys get when they become champions and they hit the curtain. But this young man is a tremendous talent. And the beauty in his debut I called it, was that early in the fight, it seemed like he was having little difficulties getting to his spots. It seemed like Paddy was going to need to get a takedown in order to implement his grappling because that's where he makes his money. He's really good on the ground. Mm -hmm. He's a a slick jujitsu guy, good takedowns, and he does a great job of getting people out of there in that way. But then he knocks the guy out, even though he had taken the shot early in the fight. So it showed the evolution Of Patty Pimblett. Because taking the guy down and submitting him, while exciting, nothing matches you putting somebody to sleep with your hands. So it all worked perfect for Pimblett the first time outside of being in London. But this weekend he gets that opportunity against Kazula Vargas, a very tough guy, but a matchup in which he should feel very confident going into because he's got megastar written all over him, RC. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for him to go cash those chips. But how much weight, I mean, honestly, how much weight does this kid gain
1: in between fights? I don't know, bro. It's unbelievable how bro, big is, he looks in pictures. Man, he looks like a skinny, he looks like skinny DC. You know, <laughs> when you we see him in pictures. <laughs> but what would a what would a win for Patty Pimble in front of his hometown crowd do for him as as it pertains to where his stature is in the UFC?
0: You know what I think back to? I think back to Conor McGregor fighting Marcus Brimage in Ireland, and Mm -hmm. he was young in his career. He had barely started, and he got to fight at home in front of those people, and it just elevated him. I mean, right away, uh, Conor McGregor was on his way. You strapped the rocket ship to his back— And he was to the moon because next thing you know, they stuck him in Boston where outside of being in Ireland, going to Boston is as close to Ireland as you can get. And it was like at every turn he took the right step. Pimblett goes and does something special on Saturday. It'll be the same type of situation because Mm -hmm. everything plays a part, Ryan. Everything plays a part. Like I said, the only thing missing from his debut was that massive explosion from the fans after he did what he did. If he can do that this weekend, he will get that. And then that highlight will play over and over again. You'll see the people throwing their beers. The crowd will be going insane. They will be singing his walkout song. Dude, this is Mm. a recipe for him and Tom Aspinall, who joins us later, to truly propel themselves to the next level of stardom inside the UFC. It's crazy. It's massive. And I'm certain that these young athletes are starting to feel that.
1: Listen, I mean, that was great foreshadowing right there, D.C., because Tom Aspinall will be joining the show. He has a huge fight against Alexander Volkov, and we're going to talk to him about what it might be like to get out of the first round and what a win against an experienced fighter like him would do for Tom. Here we go.
0: Guys, we are now joined by Tom Aspinall. One half of the main event this weekend. It's time to go one round with Tom. Honestly, one round is normally what most people get, with Tom Aspinall (laughs) as he is running roughshod over the heavyweight division. Tom, how you doing, my man?
2: I am doing absolutely unbelievable. How are you guys doing?
1: (laughs) Good, brother. Welcome, welcome. Tom,
2: so
0: this weekend you got a high-profile fight in London, main event, heavyweight, an opportunity to really move up. How are you feeling as you're on the verge of the biggest fight of your career to, to this point?
2: You know, I just I just feel like this is exactly the right move at the right time. Like, I feel so ready for it. I feel like everything, the stars have aligned on this one. Like, everything's going good. And, uh, yeah, I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to go on Saturday.
1: You know, you look at the the heavyweight division, and we've seen a guy like Tai Tuivasa kind of rise up into the upper echelon of the, of the division by fighting some experienced fighters. You're now stepping into the uh, octagon with Alexander Volkov. What's that challenge going to be like for you, fighting against someone who's really been in the octagon with some of the best in the business in the UFC?
2: I mean, this is by far the most challenging fight of my career. Like, this is definitely the best opponent that I've faced so far. But to be honest, the difference between me and the guys at the very, very top level are the experience. Like, I need guys who are going to give me more experience and Alexander Volkov has got tons and tons of experience and I need to be in there with these guys testing myself. Like, the other guys, the guys in the top, like, anyone outside the top 10, they're not going to give me experience like these top guys are. So I need to challenge myself more and take the next step. You know,
0: when we get to a guy like Volkov, 6'11", big heavyweight limit, 265, he's going to be big on Saturday night. You're fighting in your hometown. But when you look at a guy like that, Tom, generally you're the bigger guy. You're tall. You're physical. But Volkov presents challenges that are nowhere else in the heavyweight division. So how do you approach a guy like this who does have that experience, was a champion in Bellator, but also has fought the best of the best in the UFC but his stat his stature is what seems to be the problem when you're building a game plan for a guy like this
2: yeah definitely well i don't think he's 611 i think he's 67 so there's a big there's a big oh, difference i thought he was 611 wait wait Stefan no,
0: struve I, Stefan struve was yeah, 611 this guy I was 6'7". confused well, <laughs>
2: 67 yes six <laughs> I'm six five, so there's not the difference isn't too big, but I've actually been uh, I've been training with my normal gym team carbon over in Liverpool, but then I've actually been over to Holland to train with a friend of yours, DC, Mr. Rico Verhoeven as well. And he has a guy there as well who's number three ranked in um he's number three ranked in glory and he is six foot seven as well. So I've been getting really, really good work in with really, really high of the high level kickboxers. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's just all about the training partners. you got to get the big bodies in, the guy of that size. And that's what I've been doing. I've been going out of my way to get these big guys in and work with the big bodies.
0: But Verhoeven, no, Tom, I mean, you mentioned Rico. Like, this is going to take on next level kickboxing. So, the, the experience, yeah. I know I took the experience as a wrestler from that. It made me feel like I was just a completely different fighter in terms of knowledge in the kickboxing realm. You think that will apply in the fight this weekend? Because you also have the ability to go take guys down. That's one thing that is a little bit underappreciated part of your game is your wrestling. But do you feel like those experiences in that kickboxing-heavy gym will allow for you to
2: stand with Volkov? Is that what you have to do? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I need to be around these big buddies. I need to be around these big guys who are very high-level strikers like like a Rico or like Benny Adigbui, uh, training partner and these guys are just big guys and they're specialists in just one thing and Volko's a really good striker so I'm aware that I need to uh, surround myself with people like this but like I say I do have, um, I, I am a good grappler as well even though it's not, I've not shown it too much and I can mix it up anywhere so I'm happy with wherever the fight goes.
1: You know, you've had three uh, first-round finish, finishes and four fights in the UFC. How are you preparing yourself if this fight does get into the deeper rounds against such an experienced fighter?
2: I mean, just, just training. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't really know how it is to be in the, in the late rounds, to be honest. I'm a, I'm a third-round virgin. To be honest, I have no idea how the third round (laughs) feels. So, I am uh, I am very inexperienced in third round, fourth round, fifth round. I don't know what that feels like. So this it's going to be a first experience for me, and we're going to see we're going to see how it all goes. But right now, I don't know how that feels.
0: You know, Tom, as a young heavyweight that has had the success that you have had, obviously the hype comes with it. So when you start to see yourself with Patty and all these young hot superstars uh, on the verge, and they say, who's the next Conor McGregor? How are you handling that type of uh, expectation as you head into this main event? Because if you do what you have done to this point on Saturday night, now the whole world opens up to Tom Aspinall, but even bigger than for a lightweight. You're a heavyweight, and heavyweight is what people tune in for. So like, how are you handling all
2: the hype that's surrounding you right now? Do you know what? When I fight, I'm just I try and make myself as ice cold emotionally as I possibly can. Like I am cold blooded in the octagon. Like I ain't trying to think about any outside distractions, any hype, any anybody in the crowd, nothing like that. Nothing matters to me. Like I'm I'm just focused on the job at hand. All that all that exterior noise, like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. Like I just I just try and block it out and just focus on on what I've got and what I've got on Saturday is Volkov, and it's a very tough fight. So I'm just thinking about that. Nothing else is really important to me.
0: You know, I understand managing the hype, my man, but guess what? You cannot run from it. Everybody is excited about the work that you have done to this point and what the future looks like for Tom Aspinall. Thank you so much for joining us, my man. We appreciate it, and good luck this weekend uh, fighting at home in front of a raucous crowd. I'm sure it's going to be extremely
1: loud for you.
2: Best of luck, my man. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. Have a good day.
0: Ryan, so... Another guy that's fighting this weekend is Dan Hooker, going back mm-hmm. down to featherweight, 145. He was down there for a while, really struggled to make the weight, went up to 155, didn't have the success that he usually would have. And most times in fighting, when people struggle a bit, you look for change. Well, here's the mm-hmm. change. For Dan Hooker, unfortunately, it comes against another young prospect in Arnold Allen. So when you look at Dan Hooker and the way that he has handled the weight cut, gotten himself back into shape to make 145, what are you expecting to see from
1: a guy that did not look as good in his last few appearances at 155? You know what? I think we're going to see a rejuvenated fighter. You, you mentioned change. Sometimes you need that change. We've seen the same thing, I believe, with Jose Aldo, right? He got an opportunity to fight in a different weight class, and we've seen kind of a resurgence of his skill. And I think that's exactly what Dan Hooker is looking for. He said recently that this is his weight class. 145 is his size, that it's going to take more dedication in order for him to cut this weight. And he believes that's good because it also makes him focus. Listen, we watched him um, against Michael Chandler. We watched him you know, in a war against Dustin Poirier. Obviously, Islam Makachev on short notice submits him very early. He needed this move. He needed to get in a new space where he can have opportunities to fight guys like Arnold Allen who are up and coming, who are exciting prospects, and maybe put his name in the 145 and stamp himself as someone who can make a run. So I think we see one of the best fights from Dan Hooker that we've seen in a while now giving kind of this new life in a new division.
0: He'll be bigger, right? He'll be back the bigger guy in the weight class. But Arnold Allen is actually a big featherweight. He's a big guy for the weight class. So I don't know if him going down is going to feel or give him the feel of being the bigger athlete much. But, But here's the thing for me, Ryan. A lot of times I get the change. I get that people think, let me do something different to try to rewrite the ship. But when I look at that, a lot of times I feel like what's left to do. It's almost like you're back into a corner and you have no choice but to do something different. Mm -hmm. Now, Jose Aldo had lost to Max Holloway twice. He used to struggle to make 45, somehow makes 35, fights for the belt. (laughs) So it was a much different thing, right? He was fighting Piotr Jan for the title when he went down to 135, Mm -hmm. struggled. Now he's gotten his feet under him. But for Dan Hooker, it's not about a championship. It's about just trying to get things going back in the right direction, But again, you find yourself in that situation. You're the guy with the name value, and you're fighting a young up-and-comer as he is trying to make himself a star in the game. So if Arnold Allen, the other side of the story, the other side of the equation, can put on the type of performances that we have seen him have, now he becomes the guy,
1: and he propels himself off the back of Dan Hooker coming down to 145. I think the other thing we have to think about with Dan Hooker, you know, you mentioned Jose Aldo getting an opportunity to fight for the belt. Dan Hooker's fighting for his career you mentioned yes. like what else what else is there to do right there there's nowhere else for Dan Hooker to go if this if, if moving to the new weight class or moving back to his old weight class doesn't work out for him and so I think you're gonna see some of that fire you're gonna see some of that desperation in his fighting and I think that makes for an exciting fight with one guy trying to continue to build his name and another dude really trying to repair his career and and get this new th- th- this new vision and this new change going in the right direction and I mean you know when you got people like yourself on the call you understand fighting in different weight classes but speaking of you being on the call you get an opportunity to call the NCAA uh, wrestling championship right you you get to go back to your roots man where DC started in the in in, in, in the helmet right in, in in the uniform how do you feel about this man and what does it mean to you to get an opportunity to do this
0: Circle, right. I wrestled in this tournament. Uh, I was an NCAA finalist. I'm going to get to call the semifinals and the finals. Um, it, it's just a massive opportunity that I've looked forward to for a long time. Uh, you know, and the reception has been fantastic. The fact that when I put it out there for the people to digest, everyone's like, yes, it's, it, it's going to be great. Because the one thing that we need as a sport. I mean, wrestling, we've got to find ways to make it more fun. So I hope I can bring my spice to it, my jambalaya to uh, that black pot (laughs) and bring some fun to uh, what happens on the wrestling mat because, dude, it is a beautiful sport, and I'm so lucky that I get an opportunity to go back and do uh, what I truly love to do in my new career, Ryan. So um, massive, man, massive for me to go watch my Cowboys and also get to watch and tell the stories of some of these young, great athletes uh, that are going to
1: wrestle this weekend? For me, I think it's a home run by the NCAA to, to bring somebody like you and someone who did not, not, not only excelled in wrestling collegiately, but turned into one of the greatest professionals in both wrestling and obviously the MMA world. And so I think it's a home run for them, extremely smart, and I know you're going to do an excellent job talking about some of the other stars like Gable Stevenson, who I'm sure everybody's going to be excited to see. And this is a man that we're bringing on the show because we got to get one round with Gable Stevenson.
0: You know, Gable Stevenson, hey, Ryan, this dude, hey, look at him, R.C., this guy right here, I met him a few years ago, you know, he was just a little young Uh budgy boy, you know, but the money looks good on (laughs) Stevenson. Look at him, look at how good the money looks on him. This dude has capitalized. On nil like no one else, Gable. Well, how you doing, champ?
3: What's up? What's up? How you doing today?
1: Man, we doing man. well, man. Good. Welcome to the show, bro. Welcome to the show. And no, hey, listen, man, I'm it. just Thank you excited. You, for you me. got. Hey, the NCs are coming up. Obviously, you've become an Olympic star. The the, the the NIL is big now. DC said, now you got the fresh haircut and the fresh clothes because they taking care of you. Yeah, you yeah he did. How have you kept up the motivation, though, bro, to be the best in the world or the best in the country? And how are you going to go out and show that this weekend?
3: I think just, uh, just staying to myself, you know, my mom always taught us to just stay level-headed and uh, keep moving forward. Whether you're really getting a lot of money, you're not getting anything. So, uh, I just want to be the best that I could possibly be and just keep pushing, keep putting my uh my two feet forward and uh and my heart out there for the people to see. Gable,
0: yeah, well, you know what I've taken from your journey, not only the last 15 seconds of the Olympic semifinal match, where this dude right here was down by three points, somehow scored three takedowns to beat the defending Olympic champion, become an Olympic champion himself. But what I have seen, Gable is your impact on the next generation by going back to college, by almost sacrificing to go back and wrestle in that gopher uniform. Uh, the kid, the way the kids are, are, are around you, the way they surround you as the champion, and the way they recognize you, you motivate the next generation. What does that mean to Gable Stevenson as the man now? to see those young guys those kids that will be named after you just as you were uh of uh, uh behind Dan Gable
3: it's a uh... It's weird to like every like think about that and it's cool to like have you say that to me and you know, like I looked up to guys like you and so many other people are just like growing up and seeing you guys accomplish so much that I wanted to be just like you guys too. So to be able to have that that influence that, that kids love and kids wanna see and I go out there and take pictures before the matches and I skip warm-ups just so kids can have like the, the experience to be with me in this last NCAA tournament too. It's um, it's going to be something special. And I hope that uh, one day people look back on this and always just show that the, the respect I gave to everybody, the the love I showed all the fans, and that everybody wanted pitches too. So I think it's a cool deal that I'm doing.
1: How has how has this year been different for from for you as opposed to years before the Olympic gold medal? Has has some of the recognition? Has some of the fame made anything more difficult? for you in preparing to try to win this cha- national championship?
3: No, I don't think so. Just like we take it one day at a time, you know, it's just uh, like I mentioned before, if you're, you got all these these people following along with you and they want to see you do good things. And my goal is that if people are paying to see me in the stands, I want to go put on the best show possible. So um, there's no difference. There's no pressure. There's no anything that goes on. It's just me being me. You know,
0: when... You won the Olympic trials last year. You did a backflip, and I immediately called the people from the UFC, and I was like, man, this dude right here is ultimately (laughs) going to be the heavyweight champion of the world. But then the WWE gets to you first, right? The WWE gets you first. You signed a massive NIL deal with them. So, Gable, you said last championship this year. So what does the future look like for a guy like you, 260 pounds, that can move like a lightweight, that can do gymnastics and tumble like uh, like like Simone Biles. What does the future look like for a guy like David <laughs> Steves? <laughs> yeah,
3: you know, I think the future right now is just finish the NCAA tournament, go out on top, uh, leave a good legacy at the University of Minnesota, go to the WWE, become a champ, try to be um try to be like the likes of Brock Lesnar, and um just just keep taking my next steps after that. So it's cool that I have so many options, and uh, who would have thought that many many years ago that I would be in the position that I am today.
1: When you look when you look forward to to this weekend and realizing that it's going to be your last opportunity to compete in the NCAA's, what is one thing that you're looking forward to the most?
3: I think uh, besides winning, I'm looking forward to interacting with the the people in Detroit at the NCAA tournament. I think. Um... Having them see me for the last time in person and having close interaction with them, having the kids take pictures and sign autographs for so many people is going to be a great feeling. You know, like I mentioned before, just growing up, watching so many high-level athletes go out there and they showcase their best selves. And now I'm at that point, too. So I think it'd be cool that um this last step, this last tournament and uh, these last five matches of my career are going to be something special. And I just hope to put on, like I said, the best show possible and take the next step with the WWE.
0: You know, champ, yesterday you told me something. You said, D.C., you remember back in the day I told you I was going to be like you? And then I went out and I went and I was like you. And now I'm getting money. I'm doing my thing right now. You told me that yesterday. you a little arrogant. But for years, you know, I talked about taking you down and pinning you. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be on the watch in Detroit. Hey, Gable, be on the watch in Detroit because I'm going to be out there lurking. Because if it starts getting too I'm easy, I might throw my okay. cowboy singlet on out there and go meet you on the
1: mat. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> so, tell John Smith to make sure he got you, and I'll see you in the finals.
1: <laughs> my man,
3: Gable Stevenson good, hey, man. Guys,
0: hey, listen, he was named after Dan Gable, but don't call him Dan Gable. Call him Gable Dan Steveson You can catch him That's at right. the NCAA tournament this weekend, representing the University of Minnesota, chasing out in his second national championship to go along with Olympic gold medal Gable. I can't wait to see you this weekend, my friend. Keep shining, and I cannot wait to call those matches. Nah, thank you My goodness. man, have a good you, one, brother. I
3: appreciate Best it. of luck, bro. Thank, thank you for
0: joining us, brother.
3: Sir.
0: Sure. Yep. RC, RC, you know what time it is, man. It's 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 literally uh, your segment. This is this is your segment. They people understand that? I tap Ryan in. Clark always say tap in, so now it's time to tap in to tap out, my boy.
1: Hey, I tap in on DC being back on the show. I tap <laughs> all the way in let's on go. that corporate Jake. Let's get it.
3: <laughs> All right, guys. Last week, Ty Tuivasa called out Stepe Miocic for his next opponent. A lot has been talked about regarding a potential Jones-Miocic bout, but there has been no movement on that front. So, DC, tap in or tap out on Tuivasa versus Stepe?
0: I tap in. I tap in at the attempt. I, I don't believe that it'll happen, though. Uh, Miocic, look, man. P- Mi- Miocic kind of gets, and, and this will come out a little bit disrespectful. Ty's My boy. Miocic gets a bit of a bad rap, but Miocic has done enough in the game, Ryan, to warrant certain matchups. So when you start saying stuff like John Jones versus Miocic, okay. Francis Ngannou, world champions versus Miocic, okay. But I don't think is at a point in his career where he's there to elevate guys. Dude has championship aspirations. So I tap in on my boy Ty for the attempt. I just don't know if it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I tap in on what he's saying, right? You you just beat Derek Lewis, who was one of the top heavyweights in the world, a guy who's fought the best of the best in the the Francis Ngannou's and in the in the, the Daniel Cormiers. But still, that fight doesn't warrant you a Stepe Miocic, and Stepe shouldn't <laughs> step down to fight tied to Ivasa. That has no, there's no upside in that for him. If Stepe Miocic wins that fight, then it's like, oh, okay, he beat a guy that's he's not even ranked as high as he was, or that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not a championship contender. But if he loses, Loses, he's completely out of any championship conversation for the foreseeable future. So I like the fact that Ty challenged him, that Ty mentioned his name, but this fight does not happen.
0: A hey, R C. but how about Ty, too? Ivasa even having the momentum to call out of Stepe Miocic. That yeah. speaks to what Ty has done as an athlete in the position that he's put himself in. So, hey, shoot your shot, my guy, and just hope that in some yeah. way it works out. But uh, I don't believe it'll happen. Corporate Jake. Alright, guys, one fight that is actually in the works is Robert Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori, two men who sit atop the middleweight rankings, but both hold two losses to the current champion. So RC, tap in or tap out, Whitaker and Vittori facing
3: off.
1: Well, I tap in on the fact that I think it'll be a good fight, that I think it'll be exciting, that we saw Robert Whittaker, at least to himself and what he seemed to be after the fight against Israel Adesanya, really be more himself in the octagon versus the champ than he was the first time. And also, when last we saw Marvin Vittori against Israel Adesanya, it was kind of boring. It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a great fight. He was dominated in that fight more than the first. And so I love to see these two men kind of make their claim that they should be right under Israel Adesanya as far as the middleweight class goes. And so I tap in on this fight 100%, and I think many people would love to see these two dudes go to battle. Absolutely tap in. I tap in for anything Robert Whitaker, honestly, because
0: Robert is an absolute savage. I tap in for Marvin Vittori, because Marvin is a bit of a different character, but the dude can absolutely fight. Uh, the one issue with the fight is that where does it really lead to, as long as Israel is the right. champion? Robert Whitaker has again, once again, stepped right into knocking out the guys that are on their way or close to championship contention. So he'll beat so many people just like he did Jared Cannonier, just like he did Kelvin yep. Gastelum, to make his way back to a title fight. So it's, uh, it, it's a great fight. I tap into watching it. I'm just un- trying to understand ultimately where it leads to.
3: Alright guys, one more. We've seen pillow fighting, chess boxing, phone booth fighting. But now it's time for slap fighting. (laughs) Two individuals who stand across from one another and attempt to knock out the other (laughs) via a slap. So, RC, tap in or tap out on slap fighting.
1: Bro, I tap in because these are the funniest social media videos, bro. Dudes go straight to sleep on this joint. I'm talking about wobbly legs, boys fall forward. Like Watch my man right here, Sleepy Johnson, bro. It's a wrap, dog. I tap all the way in on this, but I would never do it.
0: (laughs) I tap in. Uh, But I don't tap in on the guy kind of tucking his chin. Of course he got dropped because he didn't tuck his chin. There should be some sort of penalty to tucking. Like maybe this dude right here should have tucked a little bit because he got rocked. He did the chicken dance. But I'm tapping into that one. He got rocked, RC.
1: No, this is, listen, DC, you know it's coming, and there's nothing that you can do, bro. Like, it's like watching a slow death, bro. Those those slaps have to be coming in slow motion. Also, too, being slapped is the most disrespectful thing in the world, at least right behind being spit on. Hell no, I ain't let nobody slap me, but I would pay to be front row at the Slap Fighting Championship. I mean, you got a 300-pound man just start doing stuff like this. When his hands start opening up like a gate
0: at the front of your house, you got to be ready because he about to slap the crap out of you, dog. It's tremendous. You know Bro. what's the best part about it? It's like is the guy that's slapping you's team that's responsible for catching you as you fall down because the one <laughs> right. dude got knocked out. The one dude got knocked out. No, The, the boys are behind him like this. <laughs> <laughs> team's celebrating as he's falling and ultimately got to catch him. So, yes, man, I'm tapping in on slap fighting. That is – that's about as crazy as the Toads boxing the last time that we had Hulk Hogan Toad versus
1: hey. Randy Savage toad. <laughs> <laughs> Them the, the, the toads, the toads were, were huge, man. I will say this, bro. It has, it has not been as fun to do tap in, tap out, to do this show uh without you, man. You know, we text and talk, you know, throughout the time, man, and it's just so great. Uh, to have you back. Uh, I got an opportunity to express my love for you and, you know, give our our condolences as DC and RC, as a family. Um, but right now, man, with having you back, man, we want to give you an opportunity, uh, you know, to give your mother her flowers to, you know, tell Audrey and tell the world what Audrey meant to you, man.
0: She was the absolute best, man. My mom was the the, the keeper of my heart. She did everything for me. She was a sweet lady she was the person that, Ryan, everybody lived with us because she cared for the entire community. And it showed in her going away. It was so many people that were so touched by her on so many occasions. She was, she was an angel. And now she is in heaven uh, with my father. When my dad passed in 2019, it got hard for her. And um, I always heard that uh, you can die from a broken heart. And I feel like my mom's heart went when my mm. father went. But she went everywhere with me, man. We got to see some special things. Uh, we went to the uh, Olympic Games together. Ryan, uh, we went to the Olympic Games in 04, and, and President Bush was there. And uh, I said, Hey, mom, come meet the president. She's like, Why would I want to meet him? You know, because you know people down there don't really mess with uh, President Bush. She was like, I'm not, I was like, You don't get many opportunities to meet the president, mom. Yeah, man. But she was a Louisiana mom through and through, and she was so loved, and she loved us so dearly. And I am I am the man I am today because of Audrey Cormier and Mama, we will miss you uh, for the rest of my life. But we will honor you in the way that we live today, tomorrow and every day uh, going forward. So uh, for me, Joe, Felicia and Farrell, thank you for uh, making us who we are and loving us so unconditionally. Uh, We'll miss you every day. And I love you, Mom, so much. So thank you. And Ryan, thank you for holding on the show, man. And and the, the words uh, meant so much to me in a time where uh, nothing was really uh, making me smile. Seeing you, uh, seeing you do what you did and say everything so eloquently, I really appreciate you, man. You are a brother to me, Ryan Clark, and I appreciate yeah, you bro. and your support. So thank everybody that has held us down, man. My family felt the love from the UFC, ESPN, yeah. and all the fans. Uh, we truly are appreciative of you
1: nah man we man we love you bro and this this year with you bro has uh it's given me another family member man and so you know when you're hurting and when you and your family are going through things man we feel that bro we prayed for you we'll continue to pray for you and your family uh your babies bro and so you know for us man we're just happy to have you back dog and it is you. good for you to be back This show, this show is DC and DC is DC and RC and the DC is first for a reason. So welcome back, man. We are glad you guys joined us. We are fired up to be going, going forward. Fired up to be going ahead. We are gonna still tap in, tap out. We are gonna still do our list. We are gonna get this thing back kicked off. And DC is gonna still drink out of that big ass water bottle he got. I don't know <laughs> where in the hell hey, he got Ryan, that. From. That's a part. <laughs> hey Ryan,
0: that's a part of uh, that's a part of this whole diet thing. Maybe I don't do. Maybe I'm not like you. But look, RC, here here it is, RC. You know you, rec- bro, you recognize this one. You recognize bro, that that's one right funny there. As hell. Yeah, but you recognize that one. Bro, I got to just make sure I'm getting all my fluids in because if I don't get my fluids in, you don't lose (laughs) no weight if you don't drink water. You
1: don't lose no weight if you don't drink water. Hey, y'all stay up with us. DC is back. The show is back rolling, man. We got Gable Stevenson this weekend. DC's hosting, I mean, commentating on the NCAA Wrestler Championship. Tom Aspinall might go to the third round. He might not. It's going to be a great weekend. DC and RC. I'm RC. That's DC. We see y'all next week.